Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, November 9th, 2021. Hello everyone, it's Shannon back with you to share an author interview and of course to talk a bit about some new releases. The interview that I have for you today is one that I did with Stacy several months ago and we were both very excited for the opportunity to talk with author Emily Henry about her 2021 release, The People We Meet on Vacation. So if you're feeling, you know, like you're missing the, the warmer weather and sunny vacation spots, this will be a great interview for you. So we will move right into the housekeeping information, followed by the interview, and then I'll be back to talk about some new books. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and Stacy is with me this morning for this particular author interview. Today, we are delighted to welcome author Emily Henry to the podcast. Yay! Yes, her latest <laughs> novel, People We Meet on Vacation, was released here in the U.S. in mid-May. Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We are too. You're very welcome. <laughs> so I always like to start out by having authors give listeners a little bit of an introduction to the book. So for people who haven't read it, they have you know, some idea of like what, what to expect. Yeah, um, so people we meet, we meet on vacation follows Alex and Poppy, who are two best friends that meet in college. Um, they're very different. They don't really seem to have anything in common to begin with. Um, Alex is, you know, very buttoned up and academic and a bookworm. And Poppy is sort of a wild child who is just kind of looking for the nearest party and has severe wanderlust. Um, and they don't really think they're going to be friends, but they, um, in an homage to when Harry met Sally, have a rideshare home for the summer and they really strike up something really, really special um, between the two of them. And so as their lives go on and they're carried off in different directions by their careers and uh, to new cities, all of that, they keep their friendship intact by taking a yearly summer trip. Um, but at the start of the book, they actually haven't been on a trip in two years. They had this mysterious falling out. Um, you don't know what happened, but you just know Poppy's barely speaking to Alex. 
And she is sort of in a rut. She has her dream career, her dream apartment. She's in New York City. She's working for a travel magazine, but she realizes she's not happy. And she becomes convinced that the reason she's not happy, what she's missing in her life is her friendship with Alex. So she talks him into taking one last trip to see if they can repair things between the two of them. Um, and so the book follows that trip to Palm Springs, which is sort of disastrous, everything that Candle Run does. Um, and then it's interspersed with all of the trips leading up to that. So you get to see them meeting and getting to know one another as they travel to all these different places. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's really like a vacation in book form. Um, and it was just so much fun to write. It really is. Like as you're going through the book and kind of watching them evolve into you know better and closer friends you're also seeing all these fantastic places that they go and it's it's amazing thank you yeah I mean I wanted it I did write it before the pandemic like I did not know that I was going to be writing a book about travel that would come out when people mostly hadn't traveled in a full year but (laughs) I was editing it during that fact and then it was actually just like so nice for me to slip back into those places. And so, you know, I really wanted to make sure that it felt like kind of a substitute (laughs) for travel without feeling like kind of uh, salt in the wound that so many of us have been homebound for over a year now. And it did feel that way. And I have to ask you how many of those places that you wrote about, have you actually traveled to either for research or just in the past? (laughs) Cause you made them so vivid and like, we thought you were there. (laughs) Thank you. Um, that's first of all, that's great to hear. Um, I have been to all of them. I haven't been to Palm Springs since I was a kid. And actually when I wrote the book, I, you know, I did all this research to, to set the events, um, in Palm Springs, but I really was fully planning to go to Palm Springs when I was revising and just make sure everything checked out and see if anything happened on that trip that could shape the book in some way. And then that was not an option anymore. Um, but the rest of the trips I had been, on all of them, or um, I think maybe in the case of Croatia and Tuscany, I think I just knew that I was about to go. Like, I think I wrote the book before I went and then I came back and, you know, kind of pruned and honed based on the trips that I'd taken. But like the way that I chose a lot of those locations were that I had specific memories attached to them and, you know, specific, specific details that I thought would be really great sensory details. Because like you said, like I wanted it to feel like, you were in those places. And so for the most part, I didn't want to write about any place that I didn't feel like pretty familiar with, but still I felt like I couldn't have set the book in any one of these places purely because I'm not familiar enough with them Mm -hmm. as like a local would be. I'm definitely like a traveler and I wanted Alex's view of the world to be that of a traveler. Well, I think that worked really well because whereas you may not be familiar enough to write like a book actually set there you know, day in and day out, it's like perfectly like, okay to write a book that's set in, in multiple locations that you are familiar with so that all of that can kind of like seep in and people can get that experience of really feeling like they've traveled, even though, you know, for so many of us, like we haven't. Yeah. I mean, really that's kind of like how the structure of the, book came to be was I was looking for like a setting for this and realized like I know all these places to an extent but I wouldn't know all of the cool little things that you would know from living there for a year and that's really how the book came to be set across all these vacations um, which was just 
a really wonderful surprise. Like I was like, I have no idea where to set this book. And then it was just like, I'll set it everywhere. Um, and that was just <laughs> so fun to write. <laughs> so and very fun to, to read. <laughs> yes, very, very, oh, very good. fun to read. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit um, and talk to you kind of about the structure, but still like in a different way. I was struck as I read by the fact that the story was told exclusively from Poppy's perspective. And so I'm curious to know what went into that choice for you. Um, like what made you decide that it would be um, better to hear yeah. strictly from Poppy and not to see things from Alex's point of view as well? Yeah, I mean, there are so many great romance authors out there who tend to almost exclusively write um, both points of view and somehow manage to keep the tension really palpable because it's like you're inside of these two people's heads and you see kind of like the obstacles as far as their view, like why this mm -hmm. can or can't happen. Um, and, you know, obviously so much of the book is like concerned with the will they or won't they of it all. And I think there were two things. I think, first of all, as a writer, it's way easier for me to create that tension when I'm just living in one character's head and can see why it wouldn't be like obvious to Poppy where Alex stands on a lot of this, um, mm -hmm. how Alex really feels about her, all of that. So from a writing perspective, it's just honestly easier for me to just fully immerse myself in this one character and to filter everything through their lens and their voice. But I also think as a reader with a book that's set over, like this is set over 12 years. Um, right. There's so, they're so long for the two of them to have this question of like, should we be more than friends or is that a bad idea? Um, and I think it's already like kind of grueling, like I hope in the best way. Um, the, the it was. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, but I think it would have been maybe even more excruciating in a not so good way if you were in both characters' heads um, and had so long to just be like, why, why isn't one of them saying anything? Whereas with, with, when you're just in Poppy's head, you're able to live in that sense of not knowing. Um, and like you, you understand her reasons for keeping this to herself. The idea that this is like a friendship that is so sacred to her that if she risked losing it to see if there was something more there and she, and it didn't pan out like that would just be so devastating. Um, and I think if you bring in Alex's point of view, then I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's really like to get that slow burn and that tension. I think it's really helpful to have the actual mystery of it all. And I think also, you know, I'm so impressed by romance writers who write the dual points of view so well, but I think one of the reasons or one of the best way that I know how to write the tension of a romance is to just like fully give myself over to it, to that one character's, you know, mm -hmm. view. And like, I think one thing that makes romance so exciting and like what makes people so exciting is the fact that you can't ever know them fully. I it's think, true. Yeah. And like, you know, and like I said, I'm like amazed. I read these, these authors who are able to really make this romance so compelling and feel like so tense and all that even while you see both characters like sort of pining for each other um but I think in real life like I love the mystery of 
not really knowing um, what someone else thinks exactly. And, you know, maybe, maybe I look at it, look back on it with rosy colored glasses because like I've been with my husband for a long time now, but sometimes I think about like those days of like first getting to know him and just like how excruciating a crush is, but how exciting mm-hmm. it is to you. <laughs> yep. um, and yeah, like that's kind of like the fun part for me to write is like the mystery of this person. It's interesting that you talk about this um, in terms of romance, because I've heard it marketed in a couple of ways. Like I've seen a lot of people talk about how, you know, you are writing romances. And then I see some people who say that these are more sort of women's fiction. So I'm wondering, is romance like very much the kind of niche that you wanted these books to fill? Or do you feel like they could be classified kind of in your mind, you know, if like, not in the readers, but do you feel like they could be classified in multiple genres? I think they definitely could be classified in multiple genres. I think I default partly to describing them as romance because, I mean, I've definitely seen this change, but for a long time, the romance genre has been denigrated and yes. you know, looked down upon. And I think that- Preach. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't have to tell you, you know. Right. <laughs> But like, I think one reason it feels important to me to talk about it as romance is because a lot of my readers don't, (laughs) I just like snorted because I'm so excited by this thought. A lot of my (laughs) readers don't know that they're reading a romance novel. Um, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, you know, it makes me so happy when I get messages or comments from people saying like, I had never read a romance novel and I picked this up and now I'm like seeking them out. And I had no idea that they could feel this fun and like that these, they were this like soul nourishing. And, you know, I was that person. I like came to romance very late. Like I wrote Beach Read before I'd ever like read a true romance novel and like writing it was such a joyful experience. And then afterward being like, okay, I guess I should like actually read in this genre. Like that was (laughs) such a joyful experience. And you know, I've been doing a bunch of interviews and like a thing that I find myself saying all the time. And I also find myself just saying it to myself, like while I'm reading is like, I'm so grateful for romance authors. I have, I had no idea what I was missing out on. Like I wasted so many years of my life, not reading something that would have made me truly happy. Um, So I think my books, I am intentionally trying to straddle that line. I am always drawn to the love stories that like really also have sort of a coming of age element or some darker themes that feel it. I I love that it feels like a safe way to navigate big questions about the world and about ourselves. Um, And that's, you know, what I'm doing with my writing ultimately is always just sort of like examining humanity, but I doing it in this really safe, lovely context. Um, So I don't really care how, like, you know, I don't really care how it's marketed. I just like to call it a romance because I think I want people to know that I am not ashamed of my book being a romance and that if they liked my book, there's a very good chance there are other romance novels out that out that they would love just as much, if not more. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're trying to blur that line and get people who wouldn't normally read romance on board and to also get, you know, the people who do normally read romance reading it. Um, but it's for, it's for anyone who likes a love story. And, you know, it's that safe, like soft kind of story where not everything goes right. And, you know, the characters have real problems, but I want the reader to feel ultimately safe and cared for. I read a wide, sorry. 
Oh, sorry. I read a wide variety of genres and I always end up like coming back to romance. You know, even if I like step away for a few books, like read, you know, some thrillers, maybe some fantasy, but I always find myself returning at least in some degree to something with those romantic elements because I think they're, they're just so special and necessary. I totally agree. Yeah. And you, you brought up beach read a little earlier. Um, and I have to tell you, we're not here to talk about beach read today, but (laughs) I have to tell you that, um, finding beach read right at the heart of the pandemic last year, um, was such an uplifting experience for me. And it was just really, um, it was a book that really touches your heart, but just kind of like lifted my spirits in a time of so much, you know, sadness and worry. And I just want to thank you for that. I love that, but it just hit all the perfect notes. And that's what, um, people you meet on vacation. That's what that did for me as well. And, um, I want to thank you for that. And I want to ask you, um, do you think it's beach read that kind of put you on the map as a writer? Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you for those lovely compliments. And that's like, that feels so good because, you know, I did feel you know, there were a lot of authors bumping their releases back or publishing houses bumping, bumping releases back when the pandemic. Oh, hit. so many. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knew, like, can we still sell books? Um, right. How does this work in a place yeah. where you can't like go out and right. have a book tour? Like exactly. you can't go to book signings. Right. And no like airport book browsing really. And books, right. you know, a lot of people weren't going to bookstores. I wasn't going to bookstores. Um, I was just doing the like online, you know, yeah. carry out, carry out books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, it wasn't a conversation with Beach Read. I think we were just close enough that it was like, there's no way to conceivably do this. Um, or either that, or my whole team felt like I did, which was like, I, I mean, this could end up being really bad, but I kind of just wanted to put it out anyway, because it was like, we were all so desperate at that point for movies and TV and books and especially for things that made us feel good. And it really felt like it came full circle for me because I wrote that book when I just like needed that book. And it was so special for me and life-changing for me in multiple ways. Um, Partly, you know, that it did make me a romance reader and partly that it did like launch my career, but it was like, this this book that had been very much like a life raft for me which is how January kind of talks about the romance genre within Mm -hmm. the book and and then for it to come out into that world felt like it really felt like very meant to be to me and it felt like wow what a what an amazing gift that I was given with this book and now like I get to share this with people who like really kind of need something that feels like, like we've been saying, like safe and warm and good. Um, And ended up just feeling like it was exactly the right move, like no regrets. And with people we meet on vacation, you know, when we were editing it, like the pandemic had started, we were just like, how is this going to go? Like, are we ever going to travel again? What world (laughs) will this be coming out into? And again, it just felt like, it was the right book for the right time. Like I am so thrilled that it was able to come out right as people were starting to get vaccinated and be able to see family again and, you know, kind of tentatively start like planning things for the future. It just felt so special. And I felt like I felt and feel so honored 
to have been able to do like the only thing that I am at all good at really to be able to use that in some positive way in the pandemic. Like I wasn't able to be out there doing infectious disease research. I don't know about that, but like at least <laughs> I was able to put out like a nice book um, and to make something just pleasant and good available to people. And, you know, like you were saying, like Beach Read very much launched my career. I, I was publishing young adult books before this, um, but I was what they call like a mid-list author, meaning, you know, like there's not a ton of money going in or coming out. It's just sort of like you, your books exist. Um, and somebody at your publisher is very passionate about them, but they're not like the thing that's going to make this publisher a ton of money. And that's okay. Um, Beach Read was a very different thing. It was like, we expect a lot of people to like this kind of book. Um, mm -hmm. and we're going to try and get it in front of a lot of people because that's just best for the whole ecosystem of the publisher and all of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, in, it was the book, like I said, that changed my life in so many really beautiful ways that I will forever be grateful for. And I hope I never like take for granted. Um, and with people, you know, I fully expected people to just kind of, I don't, I don't know, like, I don't have to say this in a way that's like still taking into account how grateful I am to have like an amazing team. But because Beach Read was such a phenomenon in this very rare way, I fully expected people to just be this kind of quiet little, little sister book <laughs> that came out. That's like, <laughs> oh, it's too lovely just, for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I really thought that, and you know, my publicist was joking. Like I, she was like, yeah, every time you would post something saying that on social media about how you were kind of like, it'll be okay. If this book isn't the same thing, like if people don't love it the same way, whatever, um, if it doesn't really sell, my publicist was just like, every time you posted that, I was like, I'm going to be like very mad if it doesn't sell even better. <laughs> um, and yeah, we, we all now joke around about how I spent like the full last year bracing myself for like nobody <laughs> to read this book. And it's been like even lovelier, I would say. It's so, so good to hear. Yeah, I feel, I mean, I, it really is like the dream scenario and I'm, I'm super grateful. And I'm also super grateful that it wasn't the beginning of my career because I think, you know, we all get different um, stages of everything in life. And this may not always be like what my career looks like, but I'm really, really grateful um, to be in the position and to be in this position specifically when I think so many of us just really want that happy ending. Oh, well, we're a huge fan of the happy endings at Book Bistro. <laughs> we are. For sure. Another thing we are big fans of at Book Bistro is audiobooks. Yay. And so I'm wondering how involved you were in the audio process. I am in involved in the audio process in that every time I have a book come out that will be on audio, I send an email that's like, can we please get Julia Whalen? <laughs> Yay. We yeah. thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was joking yesterday, like it's probably going to eventually get confusing for readers to just be like every single character that Emily Henry writes is Julia Whalen. Um, but that's like, honestly, like as long as she has the time, it's always going to be Julia Whalen for me. Yay. Um, I love her. Yeah. She's just, she's, fantastic she's unparalleled at least as far as I know I mean I'm sure there are other very talented narrators out there but I just love her I think she's so good at delivering the funny lines 
and the serious emotional lines. And yeah, she's just one of the best in the biz. And I really just hope that forevermore she will narrate every single one of my books. Oh, I hope so too. So um, shifting gears just a tiny bit here. Um, are you able to share with us anything about what you're currently working on? Yeah, Give us I a hint. It. Um, I know yes. there will be more information <laughs> coming out later in the summer. Um, you know, it has a title, it has a cover. It's, I'm very excited. Oh. I can tell you that it is um, book-centric. Um, Yay! Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I wonder how long they'll let me get away with that. <laughs> Just being like, I wrote another book about books. Um, but it's it okay. <laughs> yeah. I think we're, you know, we're all book people here. We could admit yes. that we are, that we can accept this, that we want this yes. in our lives. Um, yeah. So it is in, you know, in a very, very, very small way. I keep saying this and being like, ah, I don't know if it's even worth telling people this, but in a very small way, this book is my homage to You've Got Mail. It's kind of like oh. some elements of that <laughs> that I really love and wanted to play with. Um, but the characters aren't really anything like the characters in You've Got Mail. And I would say that the characters are a little bit... Um, maybe saucier, <laughs> a little easier perhaps than my previous casts. So that's fun. And I hope people will be open to like a whole new uh, version of character from me. Oh, I'm excited. We're very open to that. We are. <laughs> that's, that's great news. Sure. Um, and you've been talking about, um, you know, your introduction to the romance genre and all of that. So I'm wondering, um, if you are an avid reader, and if so, do you have anything that you're reading and loving oh lately? My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think, I mean, I, I don't know how, but I've managed to read more in the last like two years than I think like the rest of my life combined. And I think part of that is because I've started reading so much romance and they tend to be very quick reads and there's so oh, much- you can just like inhale it. It's yeah. Just <laughs> and you want, you want that. You want to just yes. into your bloodstream. You're just like- let me live this book for the next four hours and then I'll move on. So over the pandemic, I have read, I started getting into historical romance, which I had never read before. Yay. Yes, I'm like, <laughs> I am very much sold on historical romance. So um, some of my favorites have been um, Sherry Thomas's Lucky's Lady in London is really com complex and sexy and like morally gray characters in a way that I oh, find I like very those. interesting. Yeah. yeah I, I know it's not for everyone, but I love that. Um, and I read a bunch of Tessa Dare and Julia Quinn and they're both fantastic. Julia Quinn. Yes. I mean, everyone <laughs> is now reading Julia Quinn and as they should be. As yes. They should be. Yes, they should. Um, and let me think. So that was kind of the historical room. Oh, and Alyssa Cole. I'm actually oh, reading yes. right now um, An Extraordinary Union. And again, it's like, it's so good because it's this really complex dynamic because um, it's set during the Civil War and it's um, a freed woman and like a, a white Scottish like spy helping the union. And it's just so, it's so complex and so sweet and big hearted and sexy and good. Um, yes. And then in... Uh, thrillers I have I don't know if I already Ooh, mentioned thrillers. I, yes I've like just kind of started my foray into thrillers and I recently read and loved uh, Lucy Foley's The Guest List which I think oh, yes yeah I was like I'm probably it's probably too late to recommend that to anyone because I feel like oh no read it <laughs> no I think so it's good. it's a book that 
has like a very wide range of appeal yeah. because again yeah. it's like that sort of really interesting setting yeah um, I think it's kind of always good to like bring people back to that in case yeah. they missed it last year yeah and I think you know like as a, a newcomer to the thriller genre I think it it's just so great because it's really complex characters and um, you know, I feel like it appeals to kind of like the big little lies um, readership, which is not quite thriller, I wouldn't say, but, you know, kind of related to thriller. It's like women's fiction with an edge. Exactly. Of, exactly. Um, and then I think like in romance, so this is like, I guess this is the kind of romance that gets shelved as women's fiction because um, there's less, there's like an additional storyline and, um, and there's, you know, it's less low on the steam rating but I read uh, Vary McFarlane's Last Night and oh my gosh, I loved that book so much that again, I did a thing where I just downloaded all of her books on my Kindle and did like a week of Vary McFarlane and she's just fantastic. Like so funny, like had me laughing aloud, which is pretty rare um, to the point that when I was trying to like tell the joke to my husband I like couldn't get through it because I was, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but she also will make you like weep and it's you know to me that's clearly like kind of what I love is like the love story that will also have you with giving like a cathartic cry and I think um, Abby Jimenez is another really good oh, author yes. to read if you want that cathartic cry I actually have um just last night on yeah. my iPad. I have oh not read God. it yet, but I have it here. You must. But I will say, I will. I will warn you, the opening is pretty brutal. I mean, it starts out with a really oh. sad situation, but most of the book then is kind of like the healing journey beyond that. Um, so I did like cry very early on, but then I also ended up laughing a lot. Well, I want to thank you so incredibly much for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us and let our listeners know a little bit about who you are and what you're working on. Um, can you let people know the best way to find you online if they are interested in doing yeah, that? Yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram at Emily Henry Writes. My website is emilyhenrybooks.com, which is kind of confusing, I guess, to have those two different <laughs> Um, handle. So yeah, at Emily Henry writes is the best way to find me online. Awesome. Well, again, Excellent. thank you so much. And we will be looking forward to the next one. Thank you both so much. Absolutely. Really great. Okay. So new books, you have probably realized over the past year or so that publishing dates are changing more than ever before. So I have a bunch of books to tell you about today, but I have absolutely no guarantee that they are actually coming out today. Um, it looks like they are, but things change faster than I can keep up with them. So if you are searching for any of these and you aren't finding them, I do apologize ahead of time if the publication dates changed um, between the time that I recorded this and the time that you were searching. Okay, so I'm... Starting with books that you've heard us talk about before on our most anticipated books of November episode. I'm starting with one of Stacy's picks, which is a post-apocalyptic romance. This is Death, the Four Horsemen, book four by Laura Thalassa. Brooke has two mysteries for you today. 
A Blizzard of Polar Bears, which is the second in Alice Henderson's Alex Carter series, and a standalone The Secret Next Door by Rebecca Taylor. I'm going to move on now to some newer books that you haven't heard us talk about before. And these are, I'm going to start with some mysteries. We have Vanishing Edge by Claire Kells. I read a Claire Kells book several years ago and really, really liked it. So I'm excited to see that she's coming out with another one. This is about a former FBI agent who is looking for a group of missing campers. Apparently, there's also a killer on the loose, which could be problematic. This is Vanishing Edge by Claire Kells. And it's important to know that as of right now, the audio is not coming out until December 2nd. Next up, we have Body and Soul Food, Books and Biscuits Mysteries, book one by Abby Collette. This is the story of twins who were separated at birth, have since been reunited, and open up a bookstore slash soul food restaurant together. And somehow they managed to get involved in some murder investigations. So this is Body and Soul Food, Books and Biscuits Mystery, book one by Abby Collette. Moving to some romance here. I am very, very excited for this next book. This is Heard It in a Love Song by Tracy Garvis Graves. And this just looks like so much fun. It is a contemporary romance between a single father and a music teacher. And I've heard nothing but good things about Garvis Graves' writing from people who have read her previous book. So this is Heard It in a Love Song by Tracy Garvis Graves. Sophie Cousins is releasing her second book this week. This is Just Haven't Met You Yet. It is about two people who fall in love when one of them walks away with the other's suitcase. This is, you know, kind of a, a bad thing, right? You're on vacation, you grab someone else's luggage, you don't necessarily realize that this is going to lead you to your soulmate but in this particular book I guess it does this is just haven't met you yet by Sophie Cousins the wedding ringer by Carrie Ray is also out this week this is women's fiction with strong romantic elements it is about a professional bridesmaid and yes this is actually a thing that you can find you can pay um, a large amount of money and hire an extra bridesmaid for your wedding. If you want to know more about it, um, you'll have to pick it up. It is The Wedding Ringer by Carrie Ray. Still hanging out here in, win in women's fiction with romantic elements, Phoebe Fox has a new book out. This is The Way We Weren't, and this is the story of an unlikely friendship and possibly some romance too. Last year's release, A Little Bit of Grace, is one that Stacy really enjoyed. And ever since she talked about it, I have been keeping an eye out for this particular book and definitely want to pick up Fox's backlist. So this is The Way We Weren't, and it's by Phoebe Fox. We also have a historical romance. This is 
Never Fall for Your Fiancé, the Marywell Sisters, book one by Virginia Heath. I have never read Virginia Heath, but I know a lot of people who really enjoy her. Some of her books have more of a Harlequin feel. Some are longer um, with a little more in-depth plots. This one looks like it is the first book in a series of kind of longer, more in-depth books. It's Never Fall for Your Fiancé. Mary Well Sisters, book one by Virginia Heath. Okay, the next book I'm going to talk about is one that isn't going to be for everyone. Um, I think you have to be in a really specific mental place to read this. This is Doctors and Friends by Kimry Martin. And I read an early copy of this book. It is phenomenal. It is the story of a fictional pandemic with some remarkable similarities to COVID. So if you're feeling kind of fragile about the whole COVID thing, this is not a book that you'll want to read right now, but it is a phenomenal read when, if and when you do decide to pick it up. This is Doctors and Friends by Kimry Martin. And how about some fantasy? We have The Perishing by Natasha Dion. This is about an immortal who is trying to figure out the reason for her existence and gets caught up in all sorts of human struggles along the way. I tried to put this on hold at my public library. Um, that didn't work well for me. I was like number 15 and there's only one copy. So I'll be waiting a while. This is The Perishing by Natasha Dion. Next up is The Undertakers, Murder and Magic, book two by Nicole Glover. I'm actually reading the first book in this series, which is called The Conductors, um, right now. And this is set just after the Civil War. It is alternate history, wherein the Underground Railroad was magical. And magic is kind of an accepted reality in this um, kind of alternate history world. And I'm really enjoying this. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the series takes off from, you know, the end of the first book. Apparently, we have an African-American couple who are solving mysteries that have to do with magic, but that are also kind of out of the realm of, of white people's notice. So... I'm not super far along. I can't give you too much of an opinion. I will say I'm enjoying it so far and that Bonnie Turpin, as always, is doing a phenomenal job narrating. But this is The Undertakers, Murder and Magic, book one by Nicole Glover. And finally, 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 we have a new book by Amanda Foodie. This is All of Us Villains, All of Us Villains, book one. This is Amanda Foodie and Christine Lynn Herman teaming up to write this one. And it is everything we have come to expect from Amanda Foodie, according to the synopsis. We have intrigue, we have magic, we have a little bit of romance, and very, very in-depth world building. I've loved both um, Foodie's standalone, Daughter of the Burning City, and her series that started out with Ace of Shades. So this is All of Us Villains, All of Us Villains, book one. And it's by Amanda Foodie and Christine Lynn Herman.
And I am going to round up today with a couple of young adult titles. Um, the Reckless Kind by Carly Heath. This is historical fiction set in Norway um, about a group of queer teens who kind of form a family and are living together on a farm that is endangered. Apparently, the only way to keep this farm that has become their home is to enter a horse race. Um, I've heard really good things about this from early readers. It is The Reckless Kind, and it's by Carly Heath. Last up is Sway With Me by Sayad Masood. This is the story of a teenage boy whose grandfather is dying, and once his grandfather is gone, he feels like he will really be alone in the world. So he asks a prominent matchmaker to help him find someone to marry, and he has some unexpected results. This is Sway With Me by Sayad Masood. And that is it for me this week. I hope that you are keeping up as best you can with publication dates and still managing to find some great stuff to read. I hope everyone is staying as safe and well as possible. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.